Okay, go ahead and pull out your message notes. <clears throat> We're in week number two. I, I love this series. Been pondering on this topic now since, since December when we really started making moves on this building. And the whole theme of moving forward is really the theme of our church for 2020, that we're moving forward, not only individually but corporately. And what that means is we're looking forward. When we're moving forward, how many know our vision needs to be forward? I'm not looking at the past. Listen, the past is the past. Whether it was a good year last year or a bad year, how many know it's gone? Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. It's out. So, yeah, I know I had to bring it back. Come on, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Boom. So we're looking forward. Then, listen, we're thinking forward. And so when I, when I say thinking forward, that means, listen, I'm getting rid of that stinking thinking that got me where I'm at today. Like, how I many know we all have some thoughts that have gotten us in trouble? And, and so we're saying, God, I'm thinking for it. I want to change my thoughts for your thoughts. We're talking forward. We're, we're speaking life and not death. And some of you, you don't need to talk forward. You just need to stop talking. Come on, somebody. It's like just if we would do better with our lives, if we didn't say all the negative things. Listen, you ain't got to say everything you think. Come on, somebody. And so we're talking forward, and ultimately we're living forward. We're building new disciplines and new habits, and we're, we're engaging not just with words, but we're actually engaging with our actions. And our, and our verse was really Job 17.9 that says, The righteous keep moving forward. And it's a theme that we saw last week all throughout the Bible is that God's direction is forward. There are things you can learn in the past, but God ain't stuck in the past. God wants us to move forward. And that's what I love about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. Go to the Dream Center. It's amazing. Last year we had like 100 and some people showing up at 6 a.m. Come on. God is awake at 6 a.m. It's amazing. And we get in there and, and we're just, there's this synergy of people saying, man, this is a, a time where I'm going to really go deep with God because God is close. And I want to encourage you, if you can't go to the Dream Center at 6 a.m., just make sure you're spending an extra hour of your day focused on praying and seeking God and moving your life forward. And then we're adding the fasting components. You know, I challenge you. Some of you are brand new to the faith, and I get it. Fasting is a brand new concept. And you're like, I'm not sure I can do it. And this is what I told the, the yesterday we do Saturday morning prayer. We were having prayer at the campus. And I challenged those that were there. I said, listen, if you're planning to fast something and you're like, I got it, you probably should change it. Like, you need to fast that thing that's like, oh, Jesus, sweet Jesus. <laughs> like, if you don't give me strength, if you don't help me, there ain't no way I can go without that coffee crack. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, so, so whatever it is that you're fasting, I want to make sure it's worth the, 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 it's like, man, God, you're so worthy. I give up what I love for that which I love even more, which is you. Let's don't give God a cheap sacrifice. Let's say, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give that up, whatever it is, and uh, let's do it together. It's going to be amazing. You, you'll never, it, it'll be a love-hate Really good and amazing, and it's going to be really challenging. But you'll see God speak to you and do things in your life that he's never done before. So I want to encourage you to take that step and do it. Today, I want to talk about setbacks and comebacks. Setbacks and comebacks. Anybody ever had a, a setback in your life? Anybody ever had a challenge or 
a moment where it looked like everything is falling apart. You're, you're experiencing something where it's like everything goes wrong. Maybe it doesn't go according to your plan. A setback in your life is something that can derail you if you don't have the right perspective. And I realized that in, in our life, every person experiences it. The challenge is how do you respond to it? See, setbacks, they actually test your resolve. They test your resilience. Are you really committed to moving forward? Are you really committed to God? Are you really committed to being a Christ follower? See, see you don't know what you have until you've been tested. Like sometimes it's that testing. See, I always look at, people say testing and trials, they make a man. I think testings and trials reveal a man. So, so really what they do, like, like, no, character is forged in the mundane. Character is forged when, when you didn't have to go through a trial. It's the discipline of the day. It's like, I'm going to do this faithfully. And then when you go through a struggle or a trial, what happens is it don't make you, it reveals you. And so we got to recognize, look, God, there's some things inside of me that, that you've called me to, to move forward with. And, and these setbacks, if I'll have the right perspective, and if I, I recognize that you're in the middle of it, then, God, it won't set me back. It'll spring me forward. And I think sometimes it's easy to look at people's lives. You look at people's lives and you can say, well, man, look, that person, they're just so successful. They never have any problems, never have any challenges, never have any setbacks. I mean, they must have got a pass in life on setbacks. Like there must be God's favorite or something. And I would actually argue the opposite is true. Usually the ones that are the most successful, the ones that are being used greatly by God, those are the men and women that have gone through the greatest setbacks, the greatest trials, the greatest pains, and they flipped them around, and now God is using it for his good. The difference is how they respond to the setback. And I, I want to give you one of the best examples, I think, of this in the Bible, talking about Joseph this morning. Joseph is one of my favorite men of the Bible. His life was full of setbacks, things that didn't go according to plan. And, you know, if you're new to Christianity or you're not familiar with who he is, you can find his story in Genesis chapter 37 through 50, and that's in the Old Testament. I want to encourage you to go and read it after today. You'll find it very fascinating. I'm going to hit some of the highlights, and I'm going to pull out some of the scriptures and I'm going to share some things that I really believe are going to touch your heart and help you move your, fo your life in the right direction. Now, Joseph, he was the youngest of 12 brothers. His dad was uh, Jacob, one of the patriarchs. His brothers didn't like him because uh, Joseph was the favorite. Come on, somebody. His dad really liked him, made him a coat of many colors. And so he was the favorite child. And so the, the brothers don't really like him. They're jealous of him. And so now one day, Joseph has a dream from God. I believe God puts dreams in every person's heart. I don't think there's one person here that God hasn't put a seed and a dream in your heart. I think we allow those dreams to die. But I want this year for your dream inside of you to be resurrected. That's for somebody. But he has a dream. And in his dream, all of his brothers and his mom and dad, they're bowing down to him. Now, Joseph tells them about his dream. How many know sometimes you can't tell your dream to everybody? We, in my family, we call people that, that hate, we call them dream snatchers. 
You know what I mean? You got those dreams that you tell a dream and they just start trying to snatch it away. So, so Joseph wasn't wise in what he did. He probably should have kept it to himself. But when he told the dream, his brothers plotted to kill him. They were so mad at him, so jealous. It says they hated him all the more. So they're going to throw him in a pit. They're going to kill him. They're going to, then they're going to tear up the coat and say it was a wild animal. Well, one of the brothers is feeling bad. They say, hey, no, no, let's sell him into slavery. And so here we have this man that has a dream, hasn't done anything wrong, and his family sells him into slavery. And he ends up in Egypt at a man named Potiphar's house. Look in Genesis 39, verse 1. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt... By the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, how many know being sold in slavery, that's a setback? I mean, you think about it, you lose your freedom. He has a dream that people will bow down to him. Imagine this, now he's bowing down to people. Yet he refuses to let his setback define his life. Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did. In the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. He ple this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. So think about Joseph. He sold into slavery. Now he has two choices. He's at Potiphar's house. He could have walked around depressed, pouting, and having a pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party? He's just depressed. And he could have said, this is unfair. I can't believe it. I, I should be having people serve me. I had a dream. God gave me a vision. My brothers did me dirty. You know, and, and he could have been pouting the whole time, but Joseph didn't do that. Even though life was unfair, and I need you to know, life is never going to be fair. There are things that happen that are bad, and bad things happen to good people, and it doesn't make sense. But I know this, God will take that bad, and he'll turn it around for his good. So he makes the best of a bad situation. Chooses to look forward and to move his life forward. He works hard. He's diligent. He earns trust and respect and ultimately the favor and influence of Potiphar. So think about this. Because of his decision to make the best of this and to work hard, he goes from a slave to a manager. He's now entrusted with his master's stuff. And it goes on. It says Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except what he was going to eat. That's how good Joseph was at what he did. So I always look at this. I'm like, how did he do it? How did Joseph bounce back? I think here's the key. He refused to focus on his setback. And that's what we've got to do. If we're going to bounce back from a, a setback, we've got to refuse to focus on your setback. Now, look, just to be clear, I'm not talking about not acknowledging the setback I think you've got to be honest. Look, if you're in a setback, it's what it is. It is what it is. I'm just saying don't focus on it. Don't dwell on it. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're where you're at, so I'm going to continue to move forward. And I want to encourage you. Some of you have experienced a setback. You might be walking through one right now. I want to encourage you. Have faith. Believe, ultimately, that God is in control, that this didn't surprise God. It didn't sneak up on God. God has given you all that you need to walk through this struggle and this trial and this setback in your life. See, I look like this. Faith 
doesn't ignore current reality. Like, I don't ignore the current reality. Faith simply believes that God has the power to change it. Like, my God is bigger than whatever I'm walking through. Like, like I'm going to acknowledge it, but God, you're bigger, and I choose to have faith and believe. And I promise you this, if you'll change your focus, you will change your life. And what happens is most people, they focus on their problems. They, they focus on the situation, and then they end up stuck. You ever met anybody stuck? It's like, bro, you've been in that same place for a decade. Come on, it is 2020. When are you getting out of that place? And what I realize is you focus on your struggle and how hard it is, and, and then you begin to have a victim mentality. You start to get in your feelings. You know what I mean? It's, it's this whole, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm in despair. And then what happens, you begin to start getting bitter. You start to blame others. If they would have, he should have, they could have. And it's all outward focus. Start to make excuses. You start to walk in worry and anxiety and fear. And as a Christian, listen, we're supposed to walk in faith, not fear. That's not from God at all. In fact, did you know the, the phrase, do not be afraid or fear not. That whole thought or idea is, is expressed 103 in 103 places in the Bible. Look, I'm just going to read a couple of them. You might want to write these down or grab your message notes. You need to pray these over the next 21 days. Some of you, in fact, someone right here, you've been struggling with fear. I felt like the Lord just said that. And God wants to break that off your life. It's not from him. The only way you're going to break it off, though, is you got to get God's perspective. And look at what he says, Psalm 118.6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Why? Because God's with me. What can mere mortals do to me? Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Look, he says, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous hand. I mean, no, your job is to focus on God. His job is to hold you up. I think God's sending us a message. Don't walk in fear. Don't let this be a year of fear because of the setback that you've experienced. I'm going to continue with the story of Joseph. So Joseph is now serving faithfully with Potiphar for years. And he experiences another setback. All when things are going good. How many have ever had that happen? It's like, man, life is doing good. My marriage is good. My kids are alive. <laughs> like, we're doing good, right? It's, it's, and then all of a sudden, it's like, man, I just got out of a storm, and it feels like I'm walking into another storm. Listen, that's because the enemy doesn't like you. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I know this, that whatever he brings, God's going to turn it around for you. And we see Potiphar's wife starts to take notice of Joseph. Come on, somebody. you got to watch that. So here she begins to hit on him. She tries to sleep with him. And really, Joseph, a man of integrity, he refuses all of her sexual advances. And one time, in the last time, she's trying to get him to come lay with her. And uh, he ran so fast, he left his coat and so then what does she do? She accuses him of trying to, to sleep with her to, to, to Potiphar. And Potiphar's furious. And then what happens? He throws Joseph into prison. Now, listen, slavery is bad, but how many know prison is worse? And so things went from bad to now worse. And here's the reality. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. 
See, some of you think you're in your storm. Someone's got you convinced like you did the wrong thing. No, no, baby, sometimes storms just happen. Yes, there are moments when you create the storm, but there are other times storms just happen. The devil's a liar, and he keeps whispering to you, see if you would have, if you could have. And it's like, no, 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 baby, it is what it is, and though I'm walking through it, God is faithful. And look, sometimes God has places for us to go, but the only way forward is backwards. So you got to be willing to go backwards to move forward. Listen, God's plan for Joseph couldn't be fulfilled in Potiphar's house. God's plan for Joseph was the nation and, and, and of Egypt, so he had to be in a bigger place so that Pharaoh could tap into the greatness that God placed inside of him. And I'm reminded, you know, for me, there have been several major setbacks in my life. And I was thinking about that. Every one of the setbacks God used in a pivotal way to bring me to where I'm at here today. I remember in, I was in my early 20s. We owned a restaurant. We had it for oh, it was a couple, just under a couple of years. Everything's going well. Lots of great things are happening. And then all of a sudden, the restaurant closed unexpectedly. And I'll never forget, we were feeding the homeless in fact, we would bust them in. And this is, I didn't, this before I was ever a pastor or anybody, we would bust them and we were closed on Sundays just like Chick-fil-A, come on. So we'd bust them in from downtown Port Arthur to the restaurant. We would feed them seafood, the best seafood. All my staff were there. And I said, you come eat free food, but you got to hear me preach. Just, I want to share the word of God with you. So, so this is in the middle of doing that. My staff are on fire. The business is exploding. All of a sudden, the restaurant closed one day. Unexpected. I go into a depression for six months. I'm like, what am I going to do? I got three jobs trying to make it. My cars are about to get repo. How many have ever parked somewhere else and walked to your house because the repo man was around you? I, I had that happen. And, and, and here's the deal. I didn't do anything wrong. My houses, we, Steve and I had several properties. We just so happened to have a couple of the renters. They moved out. I'm like, of course they did. Of course they did. Walking through a storm, I want you to know we never lost a house. I never had a car repoed. God helped us to get all that debt wiped out. And here's what's even more amazing. Within 12 months, I had moved to Tyler, Texas to take a position as a full-time a staff member at Teen Mania Ministries. I, God moved me from that moment to full-time ministry in 2005. That was the pivotal moment that God used to move me in this direction. But I remember the first six months I was depressed. I didn't know nothing about setbacks and comebacks. I'm like, God, I didn't do nothing wrong. I'm mad. I'm angry. And all of a sudden I went to this event and God spoke to me clear as day. Here's your purpose. He gave me my purpose. It's one of the few times I've ever heard God clearly like that. So I moved forward. I said, okay, I'm going to step forward. And then God opened up the doors. It was pivotal. I'll never forget in 2008, we were on staff with that ministry, Teen Mania in Tyler, Texas. Had the opportunity to move to Houston. Felt like God was calling us here. But I wouldn't be able to make the move in full-time ministry. I was going to have to be bivocational. And so here I am in full-time ministry, loving life, loving what God's doing, and I have an opportunity to move to Houston and be a part-time pastor. Now, I don't know anybody that would believe a pastor is ever part-time. Come on, somebody. 
with a church plant. And so I said, God, I feel like that's what you're calling us to do. And graciously, Steve and Stephanie let me work for them at their company. So I worked 40 hours a week in a secular job and then did ministry nights and weekends. I did that for two years. I'm like, God, I don't understand. I want to be in full-time ministry. I feel like you've called me to full-time ministry, but I'm going to the place you're taking me, but I'm not in full-time ministry. God just said, trust me. And here's the crazy thing. We had the opportunity to take a church that was one of the largest churches in Tyler, Texas, in the next two years be transitioned over to us. But that would have been a shortcut to what God's doing here in Rosenberg. And so we said, God, it looks like I'm going backwards, but it's really you're going to take us forward. It was amazing. And I think you've got to look at that in your life. Look, some of you, you've got to go back to school to advance forward in your career. It's like, I haven't been in school in 20 years. It's overwhelming. These hipsters, like, do I have to wear skinny jeans like pastor now or something? I mean, like, you, you know what I mean? You're nervous. Like, you got kids their age, and you're sitting there. I feel like I'm going, but no, no, sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards. You know, sometimes you got to move back in with your parents so you can pay off the debt so you can buy the house. Look, I know when you're giving, it can feel like, you're moving backwards. Money is leaving my hands. But what you have to understand is you have to release the seed in your hand so God can produce the harvest in your life. Yeah. Feels backwards, but it's really God moving us forward. But think about your marriage. I mean, you know, marriage, yeah, Phyllis and I, four years ago, we started counseling, and uh, it's the best thing we've ever done. You know, there used to be this big stigma of counseling. I just chose when we started going, I was going to talk about it. Listen, you need to know every one of you probably need a counselor and a shrink. Come on, somebody. I know I did, and my family, we, we seem to be pretty normal, but I peel back the layers, and I'm pretty jacked up. You know what I mean? It's like, good. She's like, hey, you got to go counseling. I'm like, baby, you got the issues. You need to go. Come on, man. You know what I mean? Just deflect. And what I realized was I'm the one with the issues. And it's amazing, you can sit in there and you talk about your marriage, and if you've been married 5, 10, we'll be 20 years married February. 20 years, we'll celebrate, 20 years. <coughs> but there's been several times we're sitting there and you're like, wow, we've been married 20 years and we don't know how to communicate. Come on, somebody. You, you know what I mean? Or you, We've been 20 years and I didn't know that. And, I didn't, and, 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 it, and it feels like I'm going backwards and, and it takes humility to walk in there and say, hey, listen, I don't know everything. I just need you to help me on this journey. And it can feel backwards, but really it's the only path forward. So sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards. And back to Joseph, while he's in prison, you know, he's going backwards, it seems like. It says, Joseph finds favor with the warden. Look in verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. I want you to know in the middle of your setback, in the middle of what feels like a prison, God wants to show you his extravagant love. That love that is unconditional, it's not based on what you produce, it's not based on what you've achieved, it's based on who he has made you to be. Just you. And it says, And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, again, I, I want to just go back to, 
you're seeing the fruit of Joseph's diligence. If we just pray a prayer and we're asking God to do it miraculously, but we're not doing anything in the natural to continue to develop our character and our discipline and our faithfulness, listen, I'm just telling you, that prayer will never be answered. Joseph actually had to do something that made that warden trust him. He proved faithful. He had discipline. He got up and he did what he needed to do. A little time passes. You read the story. It's a great story. You've got to go read it. And there's a baker <clears throat> and the chief cupbearer. They get thrown into prison. Pharaoh's mad at them, throws them into prison. They have a dream, both of them. Joseph hears about the dream. And so he goes to the cupbearer and he says, this is what the dream means. And it was good. The dream was in three days you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh. It's awesome. The baker's like, that's amazing. I had a dream too. Let me tell you my dream. So he tells Joseph the dream and Joseph says, yeah, in three days Pharaoh's going to cut you down and kill you. Not so good. Come on, somebody. And so Joseph's telling the dreams. And the amazing thing happens is that the cupbearer is restored back to Pharaoh and Joseph said, hey, please don't remember, don't forget me. When you see Pharaoh, tell him about me. And he, he gets there and, of course, he forgets. And the Bible says for another two years, Joseph is in prison. And I often think about this. Joseph, I, I wonder, and maybe you could ponder with me, I wonder if Joseph wouldn't have said, remember me, if he wouldn't have gotten out of there a little faster. But I think there's something to be said that when we see the vision God's placed in our life, the place where he calls us to go, and we start trying to make it happen and manipulate and move this and do that, that God doesn't say, hey, baby, it's going to cost you a little bit more. i got to take you a, a different way. i got to reroute you because if you get there that way, you're going to think you did it. I just ponder, you know, I just, but he did, so it's okay. Two years passes. Now, Pot now Potiphar, I mean, Pharaoh has a dream, and it's, it's bothering him, so he calls all the wise men to come in and tell him the dream. Nobody can tell him the dream. Cupbearer remembers, boom. Hey, there's a guy in prison that told me my dream, and it actually came true. So Pharaoh calls out to Joseph, and I love it. Look, he calls Joseph, the main man, the Pharaoh, the, the big guy, calls Joseph out of prison into the palace to stand before him. And, of course, we know what happens if you read it. Joseph tells him the dream. And look at verse 39. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of your dream, of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. And he says, look, you're going to be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than you. So listen, he went from the prison to the palace supernaturally. Joseph became the most powerful man in Egypt under Pharaoh. And, and what we learn is this, the journey that God took him on, the setbacks, God didn't cause them, people did, God turned it around. Can you imagine? He learned how to manage a wealthy man's estate, Potiphar's house, which set him up to learn how to manage a massive prison. And then God used him there, equipped him for what he needed. So because he was in Potiphar's house, because he was in the prison, managing with favor and grace, now he was ready to manage a nation. Some people want to go from where you are to the nation and not get equipped in the process. So he's equipped him. It's a divine setup. Look, a setback is God's divine setup for a comeback. So you just got to have the right perspective. God, what do I need to learn? God, I'm going to stay faithful. God, I'm going to keep. And, and I always look at this. this. This is one of the things I tell young people that have 
a mentor, the fellowship, the 12 young adults, and I tell people that have a dream in their heart, listen, there's no human path from the prison to the palace. It's only divine. And so people are trying to get to the palace, which represents your promise, which represents your vision, which represents your dream. And you're trying to create this path, but there's never a straight path to the promise God's place. It's always a divine transfer. I mean, when you look at people's stories, it's like, oh, that, that was all God. Like, my God, you didn't plan that at all. It's like, no, 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 I can't take any credit. Why? Because there's not a human path. And so some of you have been working so hard trying to get this path, and God's like, no, 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 I need you to get a path. Stay faithful where you're at, and I'll pull you from where you're at and put you where I'm going to take you. God's working behind the scenes on your behalf. That's why I had him play that song this morning, the third song. I love it. Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, God, you're working. See, that's the right perspective. That's forward thinking. I, you know, your kids may be rebellion. Your marriage, your boss is going crazy. On I mean, you just, you're like, God, where are you in the midst of this? It's like, no, no, baby. God's working. God's working. God's doing. I often look at it like this. We went and watched Phantom of the Opera in New York. Uh, man, we had a blast. Never been to a, a show like that and went with some friends and had a great time. And it was so intricate with all the details of the props and the set. If you ever get a chance, you've got to do it got to be a bucket list and we're sitting there and it's amazing act one closes the curtains draw and you go get popcorn and we're all talking and chit-chatting and and you know they they do the the call where everybody gets back in your seats now you can't see what's happening but they open the curtain and the entire set changed all in act two, it's like, wow, that, that's not at all what it looked like. I think that's what God does. And the curtain is closed, and that's where faith is required because it's like, God, I can't see it, but God's back there. He's just moving this. You don't know the conversations he's having on the side, the ideas he's putting in people's heads. I mean, and then he's working, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God. And that's the faith walk. That's where it's like, God, I just, I, I trust you. Romans 8, 28 talks about it. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Even when you can't see him, he's working. God will use every one of your setbacks for his good. No matter what it is, he can turn around. He's a turnaround God. Turn around God. Look at verse 20 of chapter 50. We get to the end of his story. And I love this. He saved Egypt from the famine, and actually all the nations, there would have been a mass. I mean, people, the masses would have lost their life in this famine, except for the dream that Joseph interpreted. And so now his brothers are not in Egypt, but they're in the surrounding land, and they come before him. They don't recognize him. He's changed. And you got to know that setbacks will change you. And some of you, you know, you've, and well, that's a whole other story. And I love what happens here. Because look, look at what he does. They're standing before him. They, they've apologized. Man, we're so sorry we did this. They're remorseful. They think he's going to kill them. And he says this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And look what he says. The saving of many lives. You know, when you look at that, I think it's interesting. His brothers were haters. How I many know Reverend Taylor Swift? Haters are gonna. 
Because that's what haters do. Right? And the truth is, this, this is what you have to recognize. Some of you have allowed the haters to determine the direction of your life. You're like, I'm going to prove them wrong. No, no, but God don't need you to prove them wrong. He's going to prove them wrong. So you're allowing them to shift the direction that you're going because they're hating on you. Listen, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's the God dream inside of you. It's the fact that God's moving. It's the fact that the enemy uses broken people, hurting people, hurt people. So you just got to say, look, think about it. His haters, his brothers are the ones that set him up to fulfill the purpose of God. God uses them. And then you got to know this. Your vision will always always have the intent of moving the kingdom of God forward. Like, it's not about you just getting rich for you being rich. If that's, you feel like God, I remember, it was funny, Steve and I were young entrepreneurs at the age of 18. We started gold-plating business, started a real estate company at 20, had a restaurant at 22. And I mean, we just, my goal was to be a millionaire at 35. Guess what? At 35, God called me to launch this church. I told God, I said, you got a real sense of humor. That's real funny. But some of you, you've got that desire that God's called you to build wealth. And I need you to know that's part of God's desire. But it's not so you can go buy the bigger house, the nicer stuff. It's so you can advance the kingdom of God in an accelerated way. Now, God will bless you. But you got to remember, it's always to advance his kingdom. It's always, look, to save lives. If your vision is just about you, it's too small. It's not from God. It's about people. It's about reaching the lost. And, and then I, I look, you know, through his journey, it was so painful. You can imagine all the things he went through. I, I think God never wastes pain. Say it like this. Your pain has a purpose. So embrace it. Okay, God, I got it. But you're never going to give me something that I can't handle or bear. And I recognize that, that what is a prison right now, you're going to make a platform in the future. So you just got to know your setback. Is God set up for your comeback? 